0: Welcome to the sermon part of the, the service today. Um, we are second week into a series called Deep and Meaningful, which is absolutely fantastic. And I was one of those brilliant people that decided to stay up all night and watch the rugby. So I am on top of the world, right? Nine o'clock, there was energy this time it's reserves. I have no idea what the six are going to get, but here we go. So, and, uh, but the reserve, is, is that's where the richness is. So you, you've, you've got this. Hey, a uh, couple of things um, before we launch into this. You realize know, that this morning at our children's programs that uh, the leaders are sharing the gospel and calling for response from our kids. Now, I'm so excited about that today. I'm excited that, that in our children's program, they are hearing a clear presentation of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, we need to be praying for them. We're going to stop and just pray in a moment that as they do that, that the the Holy Spirit would be active and at work in the lives of our children's ministry. I'm also celebrating the fact, you remember last week if you were here, that Souvenirs played and and, uh, they led us in worship and it was just so wonderful. And then they started their world tour in Palmerston North on Friday night. So, well, what you need to know is Simon Gill went with them and uh, he spoke and we know at least 10 people who gave their life to Christ on Friday night in Palmerston. So... So good, so good. Father, we just want to come to you right now and say, Holy Spirit, would you pour out the power of the gospel in our children's ministries today? Father, we pray as the leaders are sharing Jesus that those young kids who have not yet uh, believed in you, that this, that might be their day today. day. Or for those that it's not, that they would continue to grow in understanding of what the gospel really is. For those who are followers of yours, Lord, would you just seal that in their heart again? Would you be building that framework of the gospel in their lives? And Father, we pray for those who gave their life to Christ on Friday night. Lord, we want to celebrate that with the angels in heaven. And Father, we want to ask that you would continue to pour out your spirit through that ministry and through all that's going on in Palmerston and those youth groups. So Lord, bless them, we pray, in Jesus' incredible, incredible name. Amen. I wonder when was the last time you really knew you were in the presence of God. And I don't just mean turning up to church. I don't just mean, you know, like singing. I mean, you really knew. It's like... If I shut my eyes, I could, he's literally right there that, Just that incredible sense I wonder if you've ever known it I wonder if you're one of those people Who have listened to other people say Man, God's presence was so clear And you just simply go oh, I, I don't know what you're talking about I wonder if, if it's something which you say Man, that, that's a longing in my heart And I want to tell you today That it's a promise for every believer To be in that place that place of the presence of God, that place of an intimate closeness with Jesus Christ, and I tell you today that by the end of the day, my prayer is that you will be standing here in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. That you'll wonder how He could love you, and that you'll stand here in awe and worship. And so, my prayer for you right now is that you will not be the same in the next thirty minutes. My prayer over these next 30 minutes is that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the power of the truth of God's word, that it draws you closer to Jesus than you've ever been before. And so for that to be the case, would you again bow your heads with me and would you, just you and the Lord, would you simply say to the Lord, Holy Spirit, would you show me Jesus this morning? And just right now, take a moment and prepare your heart. And if you've come here this morning and say, I don't even know who Jesus is, and you say, God, if you're real, would you show yourself to me? Father, you're hearing the the prayer, the cry, the question of our heart this morning. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, let it be. Let it be true. Let it be real. Show yourself to us in your wonderful name. Amen. God created you. He created us for relationship with him. To be blessed, to be filled with life and the blessing that is found in his presence. The Garden of Eden was where God created humanity to dwell together with him in peace and intimacy. And we were as a a people to be fruitful and to multiply and to take care and to steward God's creation on his behalf. However, the fall broke that peace and broke that access into God's intimate presence and that intimate presence was lost. And God promised, however, that he would restore his relationship with humanity and that this blessing would come through the lineage of Abraham, through Isaac and Jacob, and his covenant promise would be fulfilled as he rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt and then he gave them the law to instruct them how to live as free people in a relationship with him. Well, all of that was last week in this Topic called deep and meaningful, and today we look at the next part of God fulfilling His covenant promise, and this is the provision of the tabernacle, the place where God would dwell with His people. Love have a replica, in, in uh, the Middle East and in, in Israel, and it's there you can see it there. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to stick our spiritual seatbelts on, we're going to start in Exodus 25, and we're not going to stop till we get to Exodus 40, including a little drift through um, Leviticus, you know, this is like a you know, right-hand four-wheel drift turn. So it's going to be a great morning. You ready? Here we go. Okay, see, when you approach the tabernacle, the first thing you encounter is the white material wall, and that has a single opening into the outer court. And when you step inside the outer court, you're going to be confronted with the brazen altar, which is a blood-covered fire pit where offerings are killed. Walking past that, you're going to discover, you're going to step up to the laver or the washing basin, which is filled with water. And as you stare into the bronze basin, you see your reflection. You must wash your hands and feet because if you go into the holy place, you'll die. Now, Parents, I know you spent your entire life telling your children when they walk out of the bathroom, wash your hands, right? God did the same thing, right? To so the people of Israel, make sure you wash your hands. But for him, it was more than just germs. It's, you'll die. So here we go, that's the brazen altar. Then you move from there and you pull back the curtain door and you enter into the holy place. And then the holy place, you see three pieces of furniture. There's a table with 12 loaves of bread, On the opposite side, there is a lampstand with oil-fueled flames that are flickering that gives light for the room. And in front of you, there is an incense altar with a unique smelling incense that's continually burning. Behind this altar, there is a heavy curtain. And that curtain separates the holy place from the holy of holies. And this room contains the Ark of the Covenant, a gold box that contains the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses, and it's covered by the mercy seat, which has got two angels so that are peering down towards the mercy seat. And the promise of the Lord in that place, you can see the clouds that are going up through the, the diagram there in Exodus 25, 22. It says, there above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the covenant law, I will meet with you and will give you all my commands for the Israelites. This was where God dwelt with his people. This was the place of intimacy. This was the place of unity, of peace. The constructions or the instructions are precise and detailed, and as you're reading through Exodus 25 through to 40, you see references to make it exactly like the pattern that I, the Lord, will show you. And, and when it says pattern, it literally was make it like the architectural blueprint, right? So God was being incredibly precise. Why so precise? Well, in Hebrews chapter 8, we're told that this sanctuary is a copy and a shadow of what's in heaven. That is why Moses was warned when he, when he was about to build the tabernacle to see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. The tabernacle was not just some bright idea. It wasn't just a, a, a logistical exercise where they picked up this tent and they carried it all around the wilderness. The pattern was a picture, was a type, was an illustration of what it's like in heaven. And so what God is doing in this moment is he is saying, I want you to know that I'm going to go with you. I'm gonna bring heaven to earth. And this place is the place of intimacy. This place is the place of connection. This place is where you and I can meet, where I can dwell and be in the middle of my people. And I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And as they did this, it also teaches us a whole lot. There are a whole lot of principles that we can learn in this. And as we go through this, we're going to discover them. And what we're going to discover is this. I'm going to give you the answer to every single question. It's a little bit like the kid who went to Sunday school, and he he stuck his hand up before the lesson began, and he said, "Uh, excuse me, teacher, I'm not sure what the question is, but I know the answer is Jesus. (laughs) And that's true for this. If you're wondering what does this mean, start with Jesus, and you can't go too far wrong. And we're going to learn that everything in here points to Jesus Christ. And through that, everything then points not only to Jesus Christ, but through Jesus Christ, you and I find the intimacy with God that our hearts so long for. That's where we're going. Make sense? Right. Here we go. So, firstly, we walk in to the outer court and we encounter the altar of burnt offerings. This was the killing place where the offerings are sacrificed. There is the burnt offering, grain offering, fellowship offering, sin offering, and guilt offering. And in the book of Leviticus, here's our little swing into Leviticus, the meanings of the offerings are outlined. Each offering celebrated a particular aspect of Jesus Christ's sacrifice and describes what we receive when we believe in him. The first offering was the burnt offering. And this was an expression of complete surrender to the Lord and to his purpose. And Jesus Christ came and he said, I have a body you have prepared for me, here I am to do your will. He gave himself totally to the will of the Father, a burnt offering, complete and utter surrender. He was the perfect grain offering. And the idea behind a grain offering, it was an expression of devotion. And when someone came and presented the grain offering, they were saying, God, I am, I am totally devoted to you. There is nothing that I would withhold from you. I've surrendered my life to you, burnt offering. Now I am devoting my life to you. Jesus Christ devoted himself fully to the will of the Father. Then there was the fellowship offering. And the fellowship offering was an offering where you celebrated complete relationship. And you, you brought to mind the fact that we have a relationship with, it, with God. And Jesus Christ, of course, celebrated his oneness with God the Father all throughout his life. He was a continual fellowship offering. And you and I have that same offering through him. Then there was the sin offering. and oh, The sin offering was done a little differently. The sin offering, instead of it all being put, and put on the altar and burned on the altar, the blood and the fat was burned on the altar and the body of the animal for the sin offering was taken back outside of the outer court and was burnt outside the camp. And this offering showed that the person who came was purified from sin and the sacrifice was made on their behalf and Jesus Christ was crucified outside of Jerusalem. And he there was the perfect sin offering and he gives forgiveness to everyone who would believe in him. And lastly, there was the guilt offering. And this sacrifice declared that a person was forgiven and cleansed from guilt and they can enjoy the freedom of restored relationship with God. It was like you'd come and you'd you'd present the sin offering and then you say, man, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted because you were condemned. I'm alive and well because your spirit is within me because you died and rose again, the guilt offering. And these people would come and they would offer the burnt offering and the grain offering, the fellowship offering and the sin offering and the guilt offering. And as they did that, they were telling the story of Jesus Christ. And they were telling the story of how he would come one day and he would be the perfect offering for your sin and for mine. And as they do that, and as you and I do this, as we come through Jesus Christ, we walk from the altar, surrendered, devoted, filled with peace, forgiven, restored, and free. Hallelujah. Then we walk to the basin for washing the laver, where they would wash the hands and the feet so they would not die as they entered the tent of meeting. The reason they would die is because they were about to walk into the holy place. And as they approached this place to minister, they would say, man, I, I've got to make sure I'm, I'm clean. And it was like, well, you know, haven't you just been cleaned? You've, you know, you've walked past the, the burnt offering altar and now you've come to another one. Is, this, is there more to be done? Well, this is not about your salvation. This is just about your daily walk. This is about the fact that, you know, I, yeah, you like me, we live in a world where it's easy to kind of get, get mud on our hands. It's interesting that Psalm 24, the psalmist said, Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. And and as you've walked past the burnt offering altar and you're now standing in front of the wash basin, you've realized that that you, you haven't sworn by a false God. You have based your life on the one true God who surrendered himself for you. You do not trust in an idol. You do not trust in some other thing. You trust in the one true God who has given his life for you. And not only that, but you're now in this place, you're saying, I want to stand in the holy place, in the mountain of the Lord. Whenever you see mountain of the Lord in the Old Testament, it's really describing the place where God is. Who wants to stand in the place where God is? Who wants to be in the holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. It's not about your position, it's now about your practice. You're walking pure before Jesus is the question. And James chapter one puts it this way, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. I don't know about you, but I find it's really easy to go and get muddy walking through life. I mean, how many of us will find that there are things that appear on our screens that we don't want to look at? There are things that flash past our eyes when we're driving we don't look at. There are things that hit our ears that aren't really helpful. Man, if that's not bad enough, there's just stuff which happens in my mind and my heart that I'm actually not that excited about either. Get rid of the moral filth. And humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. I wonder how many times we kind of go through life and go, oh yeah, that's all true, but it doesn't matter, it's not for me. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed. They'll have life in what they do. I wonder how many times we look into the word and it wants to wash us. And it challenges us and it convicts us. And we, we go, yeah, nah. And hear this invitation positionally, we're there. Right now, God is saying, it's time to wash your hands. Wash your hands. You want to come into intimacy with me, you need to wash your hands. You need to allow the the beauty of my word to wash your soul. To wash your soul clean. What is it that maybe for you needs to be washed away? Is there an attitude? Is there something going on? Is there something which is just holding you back? And after you've washed... You enter the holy place, and you you discover there is this lampstand. And, of course, you can't see unless the lampstand is shining, because in the holy place, there is no external light. The only light comes from in the holy place. You know, we can't see spiritually unless the Holy Spirit is at work. It's the Spirit within the holy place glorifying Jesus and taking the things of Christ and showing them to his people. And Jesus described exactly that in John chapter 16 where he said, He that is the Spirit will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. I want to tell you about the work of the Holy Spirit. All right, here it is. Imagine that the Holy Spirit is this humongous big spotlight. And he has One purpose. And that is to shine that spotlight on Jesus Christ. And I tell you, you, say, man, is that the Holy Spirit at work? Well, there's a really way, good way to test it: is what's is happening, shining the light on Jesus Christ. If it is, that's probably the Holy Spirit. If it's not, guess what? It's something else. The Holy Spirit is about shining the spotlight on Jesus Christ. Why? Because He wants you to know Him. He wants you to understand who he is. He wants you to to understand the depth and the breadth and the width and the height and the length of his love and of his grace and of his power and of his peace in your life. And so the lampstand is so important because when we walk into this holy place, after having received salvation, after having washed our hands pure so that we're clean before him, we now are in this place where the Holy Spirit says, now I wanna show you something. I wanna show you Jesus. I want to show you what he's like, and you turn the other direction, and in the light of the Spirit, you see this table, and this table has got the bread of presence, that is 12 loaves of bread that are, that are refreshed every seven days, and they're a symbol of fellowship and nourishment that is always available, and these loaves were to be eaten before the Lord, and the idea was it's a continual feasting that's always available. And Jesus himself called himself this bread. And in John chapter six, he said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He's our spiritual food. He's the food that nourishes the soul. He's the food that renews the mind. He is the food that directs our steps. And as we open his words and they're revealed to us and illuminated by the Holy Spirit they bring life they bring wholeness you know the word is always available it's always nourishing to anyone who will come and receive to anyone who comes with a clean conscience with clean hands and a pure heart and some of us maybe are needing a spiritual washing this morning Maybe we're finding, we, we come and as we open the word, we're, we're going, may I, I'm not getting much out of this these days. Yeah, you might be one of those people. I, a little confession, I, I read a couple of things every day and I'm, New Testament's great at the moment, I'm loving it, but I'm in Jeremiah. Oh, that's tough. i got to confess you, I'm reading Jeremiah and it is not a joy for me, it is a chore. I am, I am seriously struggling with Jeremiah at the moment. And as I do this, I think, yeah, Lord, I need your Holy Spirit to slow me down and to reveal things to me. I need to just sit in the holy place for a moment. I need to get over myself. I need to wash my arrogance away and say, oh, that's Jeremiah. Jeremiah's always hard and I don't like Jeremiah. So, you know, I need to just wash that away. And say, actually, let me just sit in the holy place for a bit and allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate the truth of your word. And I've got to tell you, it's amazing what God does. It's amazing how He opens His word up. It's amazing how in that place He nourishes my soul. It's amazing in that place how He gives me direction and guidance and He feeds me. Because His word is always fresh, it's new every morning. I wonder where you're at. As you have spent that time with the light of the lamp and the table of presence, there you then turn toward a curtain and you discover the altar of incense. And this incense altar, this fragrant incense that's rising night and morning, burning regularly before the Lord. And incense speaks of prayer, of devotion, and of worship. And in Revelation chapter 5, it describes it this way. When he had taken it, that's the lamb, the four living creatures and the elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. I don't know if you knew this, but your prayers are being stored as incense in heaven. What an incredible thought. The prayers that you pray, you might think, oh man, well that's just... me praying. No. Do you realize that your prayers are being poured out as incense in heaven before the lamb? What a mind-blowing thought. And the incredible thing about it is this, not only is that true, but this incense continually rising. Do you realize Jesus is praying and in Hebrews chapter seven, it says, he is therefore able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. You might be sitting here going, man, I wish someone would pray for me. I want to tell you this, Jesus Christ is praying for you. And I, yeah, I'm struggling with what doing. I wonder if there's anybody in my corner praying for me. Jesus Christ is praying for you. Man. And we pray through him. Hebrews 13, 15, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. See, in this holy place, the Holy Spirit illuminates the word of God and you turn and you offer up worship and prayer as incense in this holy place. You understand yourself? Well, yeah. Yeah, if, I, if my yeah, Bible reading's not so flash, you should see my prayer life. Now, can I give you a little hint? Right? Prayer is not something you do when you feel like it. Prayer is something you do, and God changes you through it. Now, I, I've just, over the past couple of months, I've just been deeply unsatisfied with my own prayer journey, and, and I, um, I went technological, right? I found a killer app, Right. And uh, it's called Prayer Mate, right? It must have been written by a Kiwi. Yeah, it's called Prayer Mate. Um. But it's this, it's this great little thing. And I, I, just, I, I find that when I'm praying that without any kind of structure, my prayer goes like this. It says, Lord, would you bless me today? Would you bless Sarah? Would you, oh, that was really interesting. I wonder what's going on over there. And, uh, and I, just, I, yeah, I find my, my prayer life can you know, go for at least 10 seconds, and then I have to sort of pull myself back in again. So I, I, I traverse the globe, which usually has nothing to do with me wanting to pray. So I thought, I've, I've got to get some structure into my prayer life. So I've got this prayer app, and I put it all in sections. So I've got my section for Sarah. That's a long section, no, it's a, yeah, it's all Thanksgiving and yeah, you know, wonder and blessing, and <laughs> then. And, and now I've got, I've got my, you know, this, this section for my family and my extended family. I've got the section for, for the street and, and praying over the, the eldership and the leadership and the staff and over the missionaries and the vision that God has for us. And I've got this, another section which is uh, for Christians Against Poverty because I'm on the board of that. I've got a section for Living Stones for so a whole bunch of churches around the country. Do you realize this week we, um, as a staff, we... We took a list of, I think it was about 40 churches around the nation, and I said, let's pray for them, and, and let's just write them a note, and just send a little note of encouragement. Here is the, the feedback we've got from other church leaders going, man, that just ministered to me. That was so unexpected. You know, if you know of church leadership anywhere, encourage them, right? And if, if they... If, if If the Lord puts on your heart the name of some church leader somewhere, drop them a note and just encourage them. You have no idea how effective that is. That was a discretion, discretion, digression. Okay, where was I? Prayer. See what I mean? Like I talk about prayer and I wander off onto (laughs) it. I I rest my case. (laughs) So I have the section for Living Stones. I have the section for, for people I'm praying for who don't know Jesus yet. And they will then some other ones as well. In this prayer app, it, I, I swipe left and it gives me a list to pray for for the day. And I've got the list there. And I'm praying through people. I'm praying over names. I'm being reminded of what's going on in their lives as I do that. And you know what I find at the end of it? Yes, I've prayed and yes, I can go tick. That's great. But I find my heart has all of a sudden been expanded for things of God. And I find this crazy thing that actually I feel way closer to the Lord. I feel way more intimate with him as I have disciplined myself to spend that time talking to him and listening to him about the things that he'd put on my heart. And I've realized then that, that holy place that as I open the word, as I allow the Holy Spirit to teach me, as I quiet my heart and I pray and I worship. There's fellowship, but there's more. Because behind the altar of incense, there is a curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And this curtain was protection so that people couldn't be consumed with the holiness of the Lord. And this curtain was only ever entered through by the high priest. Until one day, at a time that was perfect, the perfect sin offering was killed outside of the city walls. And in that moment, when he cried, It was finished, this curtain was torn from top to bottom. And behind the curtain there was the ark, and the ark was made of acacia wood, it 's overlaid with gold and it 's got poles to carry it. And inside the ark was stone tablets, the, the covenant law that described how God 's people were to live in relationship with God and with each other. And they failed terribly at it, and you and I fail terribly at it as well, like we, we break God 's laws all the time. But over top of those laws, over top of that ark box was a lid. And that lid was called the atonement cover or the mercy seat. And what is stunning is in this place of the Holy of Holies, God covers his law with mercy, not judgment. And over that mercy seat, it says that the priest is to come and he is to sprinkle blood over it. And that blood covers the law, which tells us how much we miss the mark. And it covers the law with blood so that we only receive mercy, not judgment when we are in the Holy of Holies. It is a place of God's grace and God's mercy. And there on the mercy seat are two angels facing in, looking down at it, wings up, eyes peering. And it's as if what God is saying there, that the entire created universe is looking into this miracle of the scandal of grace saying, how could it be? How could it be that a holy righteous judge of God would forgive people who have utterly rejected him? And is they peer that all they can see that gives them any answer is blood. Jesus' is blood. And later on, Peter was to say, even the angels, long. To understand this. And it was here, here, that God meets his people. It's here that God meets you. It's here that God meets me in this place, the Holy of Holies, the place of mercy, the place of grace. It's the place of intimacy, it's the place of glory. In Exodus 40, when they'd completed the tabernacle, Moses described it this way, he said, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses could not enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud had settled on us, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And all of the travels of the Israelites, wherever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not set out, then they did not set out until it lifted this place. This place of intimacy is the is the place of relationship through Jesus Christ. It's the place where they find leadership and guidance. It's the place where they find presence. So what about you? The tabernacle is a blueprint. It's a blueprint of glory, but it's also a blueprint for our lives, how we grow in our intimacy with Christ. And and we start, and we, we, we first of all get there, there's the altar of burnt offering, and as you, you go past that, there is that incredible forgiveness. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you come to that moment of receiving him as your Lord and Savior? He is the perfect sacrifice. Do you know him? And having... Come into a relationship with him, you constantly washing yourself through water in the word, you making sure as you come to him, that there's no sin in your life, there's nothing which is separating your fellowship with him, your connection with him. Right, and 1 John 1 9 says, He is faithful if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just and will forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Is that a habit of yours, or do you miss that and you just sort of barrel straight into the holy place when you're having your quiet times? Maybe you need to pause a little and say, God, would you test me? How am I going? Let me humbly come before you and see what's going on. And as you get into the holy place, there's the illumination of the word by the Holy Spirit, there's revelation that comes. And as you, you feed on his word, the spiritual nourishment. And as you spiritually nourish, the response and that is your worship and is your prayer. And that is done through Jesus Christ. And, oh, then, and then when you get to that place, you enter into the Holy of Holies, that place of intimacy. But I want to tell you, how do we do this today? Well, here's what the architecture shows, that the fulfillment of this was through the cross. It's through the cross of Christ we come. It's through the cross of Christ. We have this incredible, intimate relationship with God, and we're led into his presence. The writers of the Hebrews put it this way. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Let us be intimate with God with a sincere heart and full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. In your presence, there is... Perfect peace. In your presence, Lord, there is leadership, there is healing, there is wholeness, there's vision, there's direction, there's intimacy. I wonder when the last time was you sensed that intimate closeness with Him. The blueprint's there. And what we're going to do in these next 25 minutes is we're going to stand in that holy place. And for you, this this is what this may look like. We've got communion around the room. That tells us, that shows us the finished work of Christ. See, we don't need to throw up a tent in the tabernacle to walk through this. We'll get on to what that means later on in a few weeks, but right here and right now, we take bread and we take juice and we remind ourselves of all of this. And so for you, as you come and pick up that bread and juice, maybe for you the question is actually, do I even have a relationship with God? We'd love to talk to you about that and lead you in a a prayer where you can surrender your life to Christ. Maybe for you, as you hold those two together, it's, man, I I need to to stand over that wash basin a bit. I need to have a look into there and just see me the way God sees me and need to wash my hands. There's stuff been going on in my life and it's, it's holding me back from that intimacy with him. You know, the great thing is, it's just a wash. Maybe for you it's that invitation to stand in the holy place and to allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate the word and to respond in prayer and worship. And maybe for you it's just that beautiful moment of realizing the curtain's been torn and you're there at the mercy seat and standing in awe and wonder of all that he has done. That's the journey. That's the invitation that's freely yours in Christ. Would you stand with me? Take a moment, even before the Sarah and the team lead us in songs of worship, and as you're standing, surrender yourself to him afresh. And when you're ready, come and take bread and take juice and claim all that God has given you claim the promise of intimacy claim the promise of freedom claim the promise of forgiveness say thank you and then as you return back to where you are now I, I encourage you just to stay standing in the war of who he is and allow the words of the songs borrow the words of the songs we sing to allow your heart and your soul to ascend like incense to praise Him and to honor Him. Father, I pray that You'd lead us in this time. I pray, Father, You'd minister to us because we're hungry for You, Lord. We want to know that intimacy with You, the joy of that fellowship with You. So, Father, as we worship, would you build your throne in our lives as we meet you in the mercy seat. We ask this, Lord, in your name for your glory, Lord.